you might want to go ahead and turn because the other verses are going to be familiar with you. You might want to go ahead and turn to Jeremiah chapter 17. There's a couple of verses from that in a place and it'll take you a bit to turn there when we get there. So go ahead, if you will, and turn to Jeremiah 17. This lesson today is about this abundant life that he said he promises to us. The abundance that we're to, to, to deserve, if you will, if we live a life according to the way God wants us to live. We saw for the last two or three weeks in John 10, 10, that he said, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now that's not just life living in the heartbeat. That's a life the Spanish call the brill. Brill. Uh, a vivacious life. A very active and animated life. A life that enjoys each day. A life full of the spirit that God intends for us to have. In John chapter 8 and verse 36, it said, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. We have a special freedom that is reserved for born-again believers. We have a freedom to be free to serve God the way God wants us to. It's just a choice with us. But we need to know to make the right choices because often we don't do that. Because you see, Satan's world involves what we want to do our desires and our lust. And instead of choosing what God would have us do and the way God would have us live, we choose to do what we want to do, what feels good. And we make mistakes. And we wind up having our blessings taken away from us because of it. It says ye shall be free indeed. That word means without question. In reality, you shall be free, God says, through Jesus in his word, without question. And in reality. So let me ask you this at this point. As a believer... Part of what you believe. Do you honestly believe that because you are a born again believer this morning, a Christian, a person of the way, do you believe that your life is going to be better if you live it like God wants you to? Do you believe that? If you honestly believe that, then that's what's, what's going to happen. But the abundant life requires that we do the correct things or do things correctly 
God's way. There is a certain amount of decisions that have to go toward God in order to have that abundant life. And you know as well as I, most of you have been been serving God for long enough to know that it comes in little bits and pieces. But I'm saying this to you based on my experience. The more I commit myself to God's way in making decisions in my life, the more abundantly my life becomes. And it's abundant with the real thing, not the little cheap things that tear up in three days. It's the real stuff, like he said, in reality. But there's one thing that we need to, to, to understand this morning in order to make that happen to us. Because it's an individual thing. It's not as a group. We don't go to heaven as a group. We don't even go to heaven as a couple. We go to heaven one person at a time. And you have a chance, regardless of your situation, to make the right decisions for you, that you might live an abundant life. But there's one thing we've got to understand. Living correctly, like God wants us to live, doesn't mean living how you feel. Now we're all I'm talking about, well, I got up this morning and I didn't feel very well and I just sat in front of the TV all day. I didn't get anything done because I didn't feel well. That is the lie that Satan tries to convince us by that what you ought to do and the activities that you get involved in and the things that you do for others is based on how you feel that day. Some of you are retired. Some of you are still working. If you went to work on the days that you felt like going to work, you'd probably lose your job, right? You went to work when you got up every morning, whether you wanted to go or not. Because that's the only way you could help feed your family. You don't do correct things in a correct way because you feel like it. You just don't. You got to be bigger than that. We've seen before in the last several weeks, I've preached that God, where the place that God has for us to have self control, to do the right thing. We're always making choices. I happen to be a type 1 diabetic. I've been that away for 55 years. My wife is the greatest cook in the whole world, and there's stuff laying all over the kitchen. It tastes so good you couldn't believe it. You have to walk around with it right there without eating a bit of it. That's the choice you have to make. Or you die. Because you simply do the right thing. That's what my Bible tells me. I'm supposed to do the right 
thing. Why? Because God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for me, to shed his blood for my sins, and then to be resurrected and sit on the throne in heaven and and, and, and be a go-between between me and God to see that I get this abundant life. He did all that for me. Now what is it that I can do for Him? In James chapter 4, verse 17, it says this, To him who knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. That's what the brother of Jesus said in his book. When you know to do the right thing, the correct thing, and you choose not to do it, God counts that as sin for you and me. So then think about it, see what this says without saying it. If God had this put in his word, then it means this. From God's standpoint, he says, all I've got to do is to show you what the right thing is, and you're supposed to do it. Don't work that way, does it? How many of us know to do everything that we know to do? We don't do it. So many things we do because we felt like it that day. And we don't do the right thing. I have learned in my life, if I'm driving down the road and God says, you need to stop and speak to that person right there. They'll be home today. You just go up there and knock on the door and see what they've got to say and see what you can do to make their day better. You better stop. You better. Those are the kind of things he says to you. And when you get to be a pastor, it's even more so than it is and it shouldn't be. Everybody, when I climb down out of here, I'm like everybody else and it's the same thing for all of us. If we can say a word to somebody or or, or, or encourage somebody, and God moves us to do that, we need to do it. But God says, all i got, my responsibility to show you what's right. It's your responsibility to do it. People who study the mind and the way and people's behavior Psychologists, they have learned that you do things correctly because you did it, and then the feeling comes. You don't do because you feel. The feeling comes after you do. We got it backwards. The good feeling, the abundant life comes because you did what God told you to do. You don't do it out of your choice because you felt like it. That's an interesting thing. They draw little diagrams in the books that you feel 
because you did. You don't do because you felt. It's an interesting concept. So that says, well, what I know to do, I better be about it instead of doing it when you feel like it. If you wait to do something for God until you feel like it, that feeling may never come. Because it's a fact that's not the way it works. Never let your feelings, people, control your doings. You do what you need to do today and you know to be right to do regardless of how you feel. And if you force yourself to do what you know is right, you'd be surprised sometimes how after you do it, how much better you feel than you did before you did it. That's the way God works. Now, you know it, and I know it. Christians care more, as a rule, than other people do. But you shouldn't be doing things correctly for God simply because you have a caring mind. You should do it because God said it. Let me share this with you. Feelings, now the heart in the Bible is the seat of all thinking processes. It involves, when the the Bible says the heart, it's talking about the mind, the brain, and all the thinking and feeling processes, and feeling comes from the heart. You know this. Well, he cares so much, he's just got the biggest heart of anybody. I mean, we still say that. We equate it with a big heart. But in the 17th chapter of Jeremiah, verse 9 and 10, look at what it says. Verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Your heart will lie to you. Did you know that? As a Christian, your heart will lie to you. It's deceitful. That word deceitful in the old language as it was written in the Bible, what it meant was your heart will trip you up on the way you're going. It will catch you by the heel and hold you. That was the, 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 the exact definition of that word that they translated deceitful. The word that they used means that you are incurably sick. Now what that tells me is, number one, my heart lies to me. It tells me things that I ought to do that I'm not supposed to do. And it'll never get any better. May get better, but it won't ever get well. It won't be able to be cured of this problem that my heart has. That's what God is telling us. 
And he says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the conscience. Every man, according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. God says, I intend to be so fair to everybody that I'm going to search your heart and I'm going to know exactly what's going on with it. I'm going to watch what you do and I'm going to treat you like you feel about me. I want to be fair. It says in Matthew, I can't, I believe it maybe was chapter 19, where it says that when Jesus was doing all the miracles and feeding all those people, that a lot of people came to him and said they believed in him. But he didn't believe them. It says because nobody had to tell him how wicked men's hearts were. He knew it already. Now here's people who seem to be coming up and telling Jesus, look, I'm all part of what you're talking about. I want to be part of the church. I want to follow you. I want to do what you want to do. And Jesus didn't believe them. And it said he didn't believe them because he knew their heart. Now when I walk up to you, I've got to take you at face value. How do I think about you? How do I rate you as a person, as a person of character, as a person of integrity, as a Christian who works for God? How do I? I have to look at what you do. That's all I can do. I can look at what you say and get an idea about who you really are because it says out of the heart comes the excesses through the mouth. So when your heart is so full of wanting to say something, you can't hold it back, you say it. So if I listen to you, I can tell what your heart is to some extent. But Jesus knows our heart exactly. And he says, it's deceitful and it's wicked and it'll lie to you. So don't listen to your feelings. Listen to God's word. Do what God says and you'll be okay. You can live correctly and you can have that abundant life. God knows better than feelings. When you focus instead of your feelings. Now think for a moment and you have to try your own self about this. How much are you a victim of your feelings? How much of what you do you base on how you feel at the time? When you focus on attitudes and actions instead of your feelings, what is my attitude? Well, this morning I really don't feel like doing anything. No, but who are you? Well, I'm a child of God. When God has shown me that you need to be doing this. So you go on and do it anyhow. Whether you feel like it or not. On what, when you focus your mind on what you should do and 
what you're going to do, the correct feelings will follow. You'll feel good about what you just did. The commandment to us, each one of us, is to be obedient to God. Not to feel like you're obedient. There's a difference. It really is. As a Christian, when you focus on living a new way of life, that's another belief that some folks don't really grasp. When God changed you, like I said the other day, he made you a righteous person. The prayers of a righteous man, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, accomplishes a great deal, he said. Yeah, but I don't know how righteous I am. Well, I'm telling you, he made you righteous when he saved you. You are in that list of people that James says is a righteous man. When you focus on living a new way of life, then simply because you are a new person, a whole person, you have new feelings as a result of what you're now doing. Do you ever stop on what you consider a bad day and think about everything that you're having done to you, every blessing that you get from God simply because you're a Christian. Well, you know, things have not been going for me very well lately. I know that, but I figured this out too. You can have a good day when things are not going well for you. A lot of those people out there don't know Jesus and think you're an idiot, but you can still do it. You really can. You can encourage other people when you yourself are not having a good day. So you're a new person, a new man. The old man has passed away, the scripture says in Romans. You're now a new man. You're supposed to act like a different man. But you see, I'm around these people all day, and how many of them are Christians? Well, not a lot of them. But I kind of seem to get along with them pretty good. But that's not what you're supposed to do. (laughs) You're different. You're different. You've got to feel that way. If you can't trust yourself to do the correct thing, and the Bible says you can't, then it comes to a choice. You believe your desires and what you want to do or you trust Jesus' words to guide you into doing the thing that God wants you to do. So there's a choice. Do I get up this morning and do what I want to do or do what God says to do? When you're disobedient to Jesus most of the time, you went with what your desire wanted to. Well, I really should have done so and so this morning, but I tell you, I just didn't feel like doing it, so I just didn't. Your lust, your desires, 
pleasing yourself chose not to please God. If you have little control, you do a lot of that. Little self-control. You put yourself first. One of the first verses that we started this whole series of sermons with is the most important thing is love your Lord, love your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and love your neighbors yourself. Now, I've changed that up a little bit for me. For me, if I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, I've got to treat him better like he's better than I am. Ooh, I don't know if I can handle that. Well, I mean, I keep telling myself that. I didn't do it for a long time. But I try to do it now. Because I have a commandment to treat him just like I do myself. Well, you know how important me is. You know, all of us have got that. I'm a real important guy. I need to be petting myself, taking care of myself. If you notice your TV, all advertising is based on what makes you feel good. You ever notice that? These lawyers say, we're going to get you what you deserve. Have you been hurt in a business and it wasn't your fault? You call me and I'll get you $200,000. I'll tell you what your case is worth and we won't charge you unless you win. Look at it. It's all designed at you being put yourself first. Because God tells us what we deserve. You don't have to go very far in Romans to find that out. This is the battle of our life. This is what we face every day. This is what we get up every day and have to live with. What am I going to do today? Am I going to do what Jesus wants me to do? Or am I going to do what I want to do? The abundant life comes from doing what Jesus wants you to do instead of what you want to do. Bringing our wants under control. I remember my mom told me after she retired, she said, you know, I don't make near as much money now as I did all my work in life, but if you can ever outlive your wants, you can be rich. I said, explain. She said, well, there was a time when I had my money spent before I even cashed my check. And now I don't want anything, so when the check gets here, I just cash it and put it in my bank account, and I got more money than I ever had in my life. But you got to outlive your wants. She used to tell us when we were little bitty things, yeah, I know, what you wooks at, you wants. And you want everything you wook at. And we did. In some kind of way, you got to grow out of all that. Bible says that true freedom is in Jesus Christ. Those that he has set free are free for real, in reality. 
operating off of our desires is the big me. It's putting me first in everything. And we run into that everywhere we go. There is somebody that is obvious to us that they are putting themselves ahead of me. And we see it pretty quick. And we know it pretty quick. When you go to buy something, you go to shopping for something. I was shopping for hearing aids not long ago. I've traded horses all my life. And if you're going to make a living buying and selling like that, you've got to know when somebody's lying to you. I mean, after a while you learn when somebody's just trying to get a profit off of it and when they really want to help you. Well, now the medical community is supposed to be there for, to help you. We've got corporate medicine now. And ahead of every doctor, just about, there's some few that still own their own practice, but the head of most doctors is a CEO who is not a doctor. He's there to make you money and not help you out. To make him money and not to help you out. So we've got seven minute limits now for doctors when they come in to see us and they got to get out of there because their boss man tells them they have to. The lawyer said, we'll fight for you. I don't really want to be in a fight. You know what I'm saying? But that's the way they advertise to us. They're appealing to our desires and ourselves. When I was in school at Auburn, I left out of there and they told me, they had me thinking like this. Now look, if you're in business and you can borrow $30,000 and you don't borrow but $10,000, then you're not operating but a third of your capacity. So the idea that they proposed was that when you got out of school, you need to borrow all the money you can borrow. You need to borrow all the money you can get. You need to buy everything you can buy on time. And I found out real quick, that doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work at all. It might work for just a little bit on some things, but you can't have that as a lifestyle. You know, people talked about in the days when I was younger about don't tell me how much the price, don't tell me how much it costs, just tell me how much the payment is. And folks live that way. But see, when you buy things by payment, you're making an assumption that God is going to bless your bank account until you get the whole thing paid off. <laughs> and that's not always the way it happens. Something ministered I learned in the cow business. One of the biggest rules in the cow business is that you never put as much many cows on your grass that will that that the grass will take. Because in a good year, they'll all be fat. But let's face it, there are years that you have drought. So the rule was to put 60% of what a pasture of the cows that a pasture will feed on the grass. Then when it gets dry and it hadn't rained for a while and the grass is dried up and you don't have a lot of feed for your cows, you won't have to sell some of them for nothing like all your neighbors are doing who put everything in the pasture that the, that the grass would stand. And that has to do with just living too. 
You can't be all you can be because times are never always good. It never has worked that way. Let me show you something in Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 23. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. You got animals? Take care of them. Why? Don't put too many on the grass. That's another reason. For Why? Verse 24. For riches are not forever. You're not going to have money like you got today forever. It never lasts that long. It never works that way. You always come to a place to where you might, if you've got too much stuff you're making payments on, you might have to let some of it go back. And when you let it go back because you have to, it's like Daddy said, a man ain't never made anything off of something he had to sell. And when you're having to sell because the economy is bad, everybody's economy is bad, and everybody's selling, and the products you're selling are not in very big demand, so they don't bring much. So you've got to sell cheap like everybody else does. God doesn't expect you to live that way. Be diligent to know what's going on. Be diligent to know what's going on in your life as a Christian. And understand that God intends for you to do what He tells you to do and not how you feel like doing. It's an important thing with every single individual, and we all have to do it. And some of the success of our Christian life depends on how well we wind up doing that. But right doings result in right feelings. Right feelings Feeling good about yourself is part of that abundant life. And you do that because God said to. Each little detail, you do it like God said to. And this book is a thick book. And books like the wisdom books of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and to some extent Psalms, they tell you how to do all these little things that keep you from getting in a jam. Don't strike hands, it says in Proverbs. You know what striking hands is? Co-signing with somebody else for a note. In the old days of Hebrews, when one man guaranteed another man's loan, they struck hands in front of public, in front of witnesses, so they would know if you can't pay that debt, I'll pay it for you. And it says in Proverbs that if we do that, we're a fool. Because like I said, nobody expects that has any real way of thinking 
that everything's going to be good forever. It just doesn't. It never has happened that way, and it never will. So please understand, living to obtain the abundant life is more than doing what you feel like. It's doing the correct thing as God outlines it. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for showing us. Thank you for giving us wisdom in how we need to live with you and get along. And Lord, I pray for this. I pray that for those of us who may want to change and do better, remind us to look around and see how much better we're doing because we chose to go with you instead of what we felt like doing. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.